1: um we have to go it's um rogue rogue ones rogue ones
0: there is no rogue ones
1: well there is now
0: Hello and welcome to The Rogue Ones, a Star Wars and or podcast from the Playlist Podcast Network that dares to put away the lightsabers, pick up the blasters and see what this rebellion is really made of. I'm your co-host, Mike D'Angelo, and joining me is editor-in-chief of The Playlist, Rodrigo Perez. Together, we plan to dive light speed into season one of Andor, right along with fans each week. Many of those weeks, we'll be also bringing on special guests from the show to discuss stepping into the beloved Star Wars universe, share teases for what's to come, and even talk about their favorite Star Wars films. This week, we'll be discussing episode five of the series entitled The Axe Forgets, and afterwards, Marva andor herself, the great Fiona Shaw, joins the podcast to discuss finally joining the Star Wars universe, Marva's backstory. Tony Gilroy's influence on the series, and her experience seeing Star Wars for the first time, and so much more. But before we jump into all that, I've got to tell you that The Rogue Ones is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Playlist Podcast, Bingeworthy, The Discourse, Deep Focus, Be Real, The Fourth Wall, and more. We can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Playlist Podcast Network to get this show and all of those I just mentioned. Also, drop us a rating or a comment, as we always appreciate it. Okay, Rodrigo, as I said, episode five, The Axe Forgets premiered this week, and it saw Andor and his camp, you know, having tensions that came to a head as they found out that old Clem is the only one getting paid. Uh, We also get a peek into Cyril Karn's home life and his overbearing mother. Uh, Deidre's quest is continuing on to catch the rebellion maybe ask Cyril about that um, and Mon Motha's home life including a teenage daughter that we didn't know about that of course thinks Mon is a narcissist all before setting up what is sure to be a tense heist filled episode six what are your thoughts on this episode five
2: I think this episode is great it's interesting it's like you know someone said like nothing happens and it's like okay maybe quote unquote nothing happens but like I will tell you that this quote-unquote nothing happens episode has more tension and more suspense than all the episodes where things quote-unquote do happen in all of the Star Wars series so far. Like, this shit is, like, really, it's just really good. It's, like, I, I, I was joking or sort of joking that, like, how do you go back to, like, regular Star Wars after this? It's, like, so well written. It's so intriguing plot stuff is not happening in the way that fans want it but it's just as compelling and interesting and fascinating and full of tension and suspense it's like the 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 axe forgets the tree remembers it's like you know interesting shit you know it's really um it's really compelling
0: yeah it's definitely a middle episode building to six but and i know that main complaint from one contingent of fans is that andor is slow and there's not enough shooty shooty blasty blasty but even in those so called slow episodes, like you're saying, it takes the time to really deepen these characters with every single scene. I mean, whether it's Eben Moss Backrex, what is it, Arvel Skeen character discussing yeah, I mean, the reasons whole, of joining the rebellion? Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: that every scene with him and Diego is yes.
0: fantastic.
2: I mean, they are on like the edge. And that stuff to me is as thrilling as any laser blast. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. the special effect of this show, you know? You don't need like, I'm sure they will show some of that stuff, but like you don't necessarily need it. The special effect is the is the the alchemy and chemistry and writing of these actors and the stuff. And like every scene between Diego and him is just so good in this episode.
0: Yeah. And then we we even have more Mon Mothma to dig into. There was a really tense scene in there with both her husband and her daughter. You see that her home life isn't quite the way you'd expect it. But again, she has a teenager. So what teenager is going to love her mother at that point in her life? So who knows? Yeah, what did you think sure. of those scenes?
2: But, but what I love about it is it's like, to me, it's like, you know, thinking about like what, how Tony Gilroy is and what his writing is, what his approach is like, there's all that stuff. And, and people are probably like, well, what does that mean? But like, to me, it's like, it points at like, probably like a divorce and yeah. probably like possibly a mother abandoning her child. And, and all this stuff that like could really pay off down the road in these really like emotionally big ways. Maybe this person who has to like completely separate herself from, you know, her family and divorce them essentially either for real or emotionally, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And there's all that stuff in there that, that, that's like rich layers of stuff that really can pay off later, you know. Cyril has that whole stuff going on too. He's like in this in this transition phase, right? Like he's still grappling with his failure. He's trying to figure out what is next. His mother's trying to help him. But we get that tease of like he might have been fired and he's all he's done, but like he's not done with Cassian Andor. So no, you know, he's he's gonna latch on to Cassian Andor as like the catalyst of his own personal failure because he doesn't know what to do with himself. So he's going to go chase after him. And that's going to be really interesting. And if I can drop my prediction, I think eventually he's going to join the the rebellion.
0: Yeah, that's where I was wondering, too. Are they building him to ultimately turn and join the rebellion? Or is he going to meet up with Deidre here and, you know, join her fight as kind of like her subordinate. Um, My
2: guess is, is he goes after Cassian and you know wants to kill him for like ruining his life or you know it's really his own mistake but he's blaming it on Cassian and through some difficult machinations of that he eventually joins and of course it won't be pretty right it'll be messy it'll be ugly it'll be about as you know happy as 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 it is between uh Cassian and Edmund uh back you know. back, yeah 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 I think it'll you know that's what I love about the, the relationships of this are all just messy and they're all complicated and they're ugly and they're nothing is easy you know that's like much more true to life. And there's so much distrust between everybody, even everybody on the same side. You know, you're really, whether you're conscious of it or not, he's really showing the the building blocks of how difficult it is to put on a, a revolution and a rebellion.
0: Yeah. And even like Alex Lothers charismatic like him going through that crazy fast science dump on him. But you're also getting like a reason why the rebellion uses this old crummy technology compared to the Empire which makes total sense.
2: Some of the lines of those dialogue, like the pace of repression outstrips our ability to understand it. And that is the real trick of the imperial thought machine. It's easier to hide behind 40 atrocities than a single incident. I mean, (laughs) does that not sound like fucking like the Trump bombarding of like, you know what I mean? When, when people would be like, what am I supposed to be outraged about? There's like, I've been hit with like 30 things. You know what I mean? It's like the same kind of playbook. It's really
0: fascinating and interesting dialogue. Yeah, I think it's absolutely top notch. Did you have any, as far as the the technology thing goes, did that kind of ring true to you at all? Or, or was that like, did you really need to explain that?
2: Oh, for sure. I think it's really interesting. Cause again, it's the fascinating about like, we've gotten lazy. It's like the understanding the whole mechanics of, you know, rebellion and fighting and all this stuff. It's like, we need to, we need to be like self-reliant. We need to be like the way this world has worked is ba- it basically, you know, they're talking about surveillance and security and all this stuff. I think that stuff's really interesting. And it's definitely part of like, you know, the mechanics of, of how to to do espionage, right? So mm-hmm. I didn't think that stuff was filler at all. I thought that was really interesting.
0: And there were a bunch of like big conflicts. They obviously like I said, they find out he's being paid and everyone kind of <laughs> Yeah. I mean that's awesome right? is pissed.
2: Yeah. yeah, they're all pissed. I almost wish he just kind of said a line where it was like kind of like what fucking difference does it make? You know, we're essentially mm-hmm. have the same goal, which is to get out alive. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And that's basically what he says. Anyhow, if he doesn't say it, I mean, that's what's kind of awesome about Tony's writing. He's, he's basically saying that, but he says it in, in sort of secured kind of like more metaphorical or interesting ways. But like, you know, that's what he's kind of saying is like, yeah, I'm getting paid, but like, I, you can hate me all you want. You can doubt my motives, but at the end of the day, you I just need want to get out here alive, like, just yeah. like you. And You know, again, the subtext being that like, and look, there's it doesn't behoove me for you to die either, because that'll just I'll die in that process.
0: Right. And it's clear, you know, at every stop, like when he comes in and realizes they have no idea how to, you know, calculate the weight capacity. That's so fucking
2: fascinating too, because it's again those kind of mechanics and building blocks. Like there's like little things that like it's does it seem kind of like minutia a little bit, but The, you know, the, the bigger picture of it is like, yeah, like, you know, everybody's just trying to kind of fucking figure this out as they, as they're all making it up, as they go, they don't really know. Rebellions are really difficult. Taking on this empire is nearly suicidal and they need every single person out there. And and that's, I mean, another thing that this episode kind of underscores as much as some people hate him, it becomes very clear whether it's the, you should be on this side because you're left-handed or the weight thing or whatever it is. But it's very clear that they do need him, you know, they don't have Mm -hmm. to like him that doesn't, you know, we're not here to make friends we're here to pull out this mission,
0: right he's the jack of all trades that luthan really needed and wanted and recruited so I mean, yeah, we didn't get much luthan this episode but we did get a little tease at the end where you know they're they're setting up that this may be the beginning of everything maybe the end of everything, I really think there's only one logical way this next episode can go right. Maybe
2: I am curious to hear what you what you think about that. But just quickly, like, I love to see the humanity there. The Lutheran is as, as ruthless as he seems. He's like worried. Like, oh, yeah. he's, like he's like, this could be that, you know, I sent them off to this. He's having a lot of second doubts. The person he works with is, is, you know, is obviously part of the rebellion as well. And his cell is like, you know, there's no point in worrying about this now. It's all set into motion. They're either going to live or they're going to die. Like, you <laughs> know what I mean? Like, you you don't have time to second guess yourself now. The, the, the time for second guessing was before you sent them on the mission. Now it's done. Don't don't look back now. Just hope that it, it pans out.
0: It has to pan out, right? The, the rebellion has to get going, and it has to also kind of reveal itself a little bit more here.
2: For sure. But what I love about this show to me is it's, it's probably going to, pan out and it's going to work but there will be consequences and there will be fallout Mm -hmm. and it won't be clean and it won't be messy or it won't be it won't be clean and it it will be messy and and you know i don't you you know not everyone's probably going to make it and and uh you know that i think that's the the that's the kind of the the good texture of this shit it's like there's really something at stake here like something's going to go down the next episode they're gonna probably pull this off but there will be consequences, you know. There, these, this is, you know, in someone other's other show, other show they, they pull it off perfectly. Everybody's fine. They leave and they go off to the next mission. This isn't that show, you know. It's not about that. And also, just to quickly to detour in the like, it's not that show, man. I, you see some really hilarious like star wars stuff is like is luthan blah 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 connected to luke skywalker and is luthan an old jedi and uh is is uh uh could this show bring luke skywalker's wife from the the comic books <laughs> to canon and it's like man you guys are not paying attention and you are watching the wrong show like you i, I don't know how to help you but you're you're so wildly off and you're so down the rabbit hole of uh, you're just not paying. You're not paying attention. To what this show is, it's something different.
0: Yeah, and there's people that are speculating like Cyril's uncle is a major character. Do you buy into that at all?
2: I, I mean, I guess we'll see. I, I don't know. I, you know, I joked. Someone was saying stuff like this, and I said, "Well, actually, Luthin is Mephisto." And I, you know, like <laughs> it's, it, it's that level of ridiculousness that fans have to throw on top of these shows. They're not paying attention and they're just looking towards what they hoping to see or maybe wanting to see or dream. It's a little bizarre to me. It's like, don't you want things be what they are? And I think people should watch it rather than try and predict it. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, telling you everything of who it is, what it is, what it wants to be. It's already announced that it's very different. Um, I think people should try and uh, acknowledge that. And if they're not completely down with it because they're, more, you know, I want a Jedi or whatever. Just try and
0: embrace it because it's that's not what it is. You don't need a Jedi in this show.
2: No, it's, it's not. It's not what it is. It's not going to happen. And it's pointless trying to. Also, you're just going to be madly disappointed if you're expecting that kind of stuff.
0: Right. Even then, like we're at episode six next week, halfway through the series, season one. And we have really no eyes beyond what's what's past the heist, you know? You just have the heist, and then that's going to blast us into whatever it blasts us into. But you have no idea where the show is going still beyond that's that, good. which I think I, is interesting. Yeah, I think
2: you, that's great. I mean, I don't need to know.
0: Right. What? You don't want to know beat yeah, beat. Like- what's going to happen in these 12 episodes
2: i mean how many marvel shows do we where we see the stuff where we know exactly where it's going right yeah exactly by episode two
0: other than like the
2: being slightly confused by fan like similar fan speculation right but no we don't have any idea where this is going other than this is the first job. Maybe this becomes a cell. Maybe this cell grows. Maybe Luthen connects this cell to another cell he's got going and things like that. Or maybe like most of the people tie on this mission. Who knows? But like, yeah, this thing is nascent and building. So what we're seeing here is probably the beginnings of something that probably starts to connect. And it's almost like these Lego cells of different things that start to build, right? Absolutely. But we'll have, I'm sure we'll have lots of failure, defeat, setbacks, etc. Like it's not going to be, the you know super happy clean star world. wars
0: a new hope ending you know yeah yeah okay well for our listeners and first five episodes are up now on disney plus with new episodes dropping weekly through november rodrigo let's just go ahead and tee up our interview for for this week which is fiona shaw who is cassian's adoptive mother marva she's not in this episode but i got to talk to her a few weeks ago about joining the star wars universe and of course with it being fiona shaw she was delightful and while this is an andor specific podcast i will admit we do go into some non-star wars projects like the killing eve of it all towards the end and even a childhood favorite of mine and sort of a cult classic these days but sorry rodrigo we talked about super mario brothers the movie (laughs) (laughs) well
2: there's a new one coming and and as of today there's going to be a trailer later yep um did you say earlier that that she didn't she wasn't familiar with star wars
0: no she was very familiar with star wars she she tells a story about her first time seeing it in chicago and i i won't you know tell the story for her before she tells it but it's it's a great night it sounds like a great night Uh, she's a hell
2: of an actor man it's really nice to see her getting her due these days
0: yeah she's got so much great stuff under her belt with the you know i mean obviously a lot of people know her from harry potter or true blood or whatever it is but she's got a lot a lot of great stuff and she's even got she teases her neil gaiman series that she has coming up for for amazon the anasi boys so that's that's another Neil Gaiman project dropping soon, and we'll we'll see how that pans out as well. But she was great. I really really love chatting with her.
2: Does she tease whether we're going to see her again?
0: Ah, uh, yes, she does. She does more than that. She teases her fate as well. Um, oh, wow. okay. So it's it's a lot of good stuff. She teases some some really good things. I'll, I'll let her say it. Yeah. But- uh yeah it's we, some juicy did we stuff. Say
2: spoilers for the people listening who may not want to know like <laughs> oh well i i mean i'm curious myself i'm not sure i wanted to she doesn't know.
0: she doesn't necessarily say hey this is going to happen or this is going to happen but she does there are some ominous words to what she says you know right well um, what's
2: interesting is we also did see you know i think many people thought we might be done with Ferrex, right but we did see them back exactly
0: exactly oh, and, and you know if she says there's like
2: that whole world all those characters including adria ajana's character
0: yeah and she was she was less you know willing to open up and say yes you're definitely going to see me but if we're going to see marva again I, you have to believe we're going to see adria Arjona's character as well yeah
2: i mean if you're back on Ferrex, you're going to see those two for sure
0: yeah all right well we got a lot of andor and star wars chatting to do with fiona so i won't give away the details anymore i'll just let you get at it for rodrigo and myself Everybody, stay rebellious. Yona, thank you so much for giving me your time.
1: Hello, Mike. I should call you St. Michael with that lovely halo around your head. You look great.
0: I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, To start things off, I just want to say I'm a big fan, and I also absolutely love Andor. It is great. So congratulations on another winner here.
1: Well, thank you. I can't take responsibility for the whole of Andor, but I also think it's a beautifully made thing. I think they've gone to endless trouble, and as a whole team, it's been fabulous to be part of that. Yeah. So,
0: how did this come to you? Did Did you pursue a, a role in the Star Wars universe? I'm not
1: sure. Is Is that your kind of your I may thing? have missed out all alone, but uh, no. Tony rang me up or came on on Zoom and said, "Would you like to be in this?" And then proceeded to describe it, and I was so blown away with his. Social realism, his domesticity of it, his understanding of characters, his embracing of the moral universe that is so uh, remains a pulsating, changing thing in our planet as much as in the universe. I was very taken with it. So I was very happy to join.
0: Yeah, a through line I've had with all the cast members from this is that Tony is amazing and knows exactly what he wants. And he's just like the general that everybody wants for this for this show. So how was it working for for him during, you know, the the series
1: itself? We were, you know, he was in New York. We were in London, but the, the oh, and Pinewood. But the, he sometimes we, we would meet him on big, huge screens in boardrooms where he would come and speak to us like sort of God. And <laughs> but he was always very good with questions. You could ask him anything, and his understanding of it is so. I would say four-dimensional, not even three-dimensional. Yeah. He understands everything about it and also his respect for it and his respect for the characters in it. So I think it was a great pleasure for us all to make it, even as it was very hard to make during that lockdown period because we were all masked a lot of the time. It very exciting. And of course, the design area, I mean, every aspect of it, the design is so immediate, so total, so clear in each separate planet. So it was great fun.
0: Yeah. So Marva, your character is Cassian's adoptive mother, more or less. So we're shown a little bit of backstory through flashbacks. Is that all that was given to you? Or does Tony provide a lot of backstory with that stuff?
1: Well, actually, I think in fairness, I mean, we may have, Tony and I may have talked about it more, but I think you get a lot of it. Um, You do. I see bits of it, they cut, uh, that they cut certain scenes and they, there might have been a bit more information. But I think they and their editing know exactly what does need to be told and what doesn't. I mean, I certainly understood what I was playing, which is that, you know, she was this washbuckling metal collector from various, you know, scavenger in a way from, from uh, different planets, from crashed uh, spaceships, but also would, would recycle, a recycler, you could say, somebody who takes things, remakes things, fixes machines. She says later that she fixed you know that they would fix the various spaceships and then send them on their way and they were very Mm -hmm. happy to say goodbye to anybody from the uh, empire who who had their so they're a useful they're kind of a a useful tool to the empire but they are very happy to have nothing to do with them otherwise and all of that is enough You, you it's an it's to know enough and then she meets this magnificent boy who she brings up and it's inferred tragically that her husband is hanged
0: at one point Were you ever told what led to that or any of the backstory there? Or is that something that maybe comes?
1: coming? I mean, just I think when you get a feeling, don't you, with all empires that they will Mm. pop up a charge and that they were he was hanged in the square. And that, you know, that's a grief of some age with her some 10 years ago. But of course, it it lingers, hankers, and I think erodes people's belief and increases their hatred of whoever the the empire is. And uh, that's very true. You know, she's been very, very dignified about it, but you don't set you don't forgive and forget. You neither forgive nor forget.
0: <laughs> yeah. You also get to work with a Star Wars droid which you know is a lot of people's dream. Was that fully practical on set? How was that to kind of bounce off
1: of as an actor? Oh, well, I suppose it was, was fully practical, we'd all have one, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I love the droid, B. Uh, um, you know, it's like having a little dog, you know, it's like having a sort of an old dog. And Marva, we meet Marva very old, and so then we meet her younger. And The droid is younger when she's younger, and it, she's obviously, you know, kept the same droid, she didn't uh, trade it, trade her in. So, you know, B remains. A wonderful droid and and everything i hope i live long enough to be able to have a, a droid in my life because it's it's uh <laughs> alex on wheels but much more there's a kind of an emotional relationship between them and of course this droid could really and read you the newspapers it can give you things from its supplies chain but it also as they get older uh need to charge up a lot more <laughs> frequently <laughs> <and bad> bladders <laughs>
0: yeah b2 is a, a pretty adorable companion i will say yeah, that yeah this is going to go up a little later in the season. So you don't have to worry about early spoilers. So we see Cassian leave Ferrix at the end of episode three, and he's left this like emotional and literal chaos in his wake. And that leaves you in kind of a, you know, an emotionally vulnerable place. Should we expect to see more of that storyline continued or is he just, you know, on to the next thing and we don't possibly get to catch up with you in later episodes?
1: Well, then you do get to catch up with her. I think in later episodes, um, I mean, she. I think what I was alluding to earlier is that you finally meet, you know, the breaking point of Marva. Also, was... when people get sick and old, and they've had enough. They have very little to lose. So yeah. maybe she, you know, I think that's so interesting about bravery. Bravery isn't something that you're born with. You go around going, you know, I'm brave, punching <laughs> your chest. But actually, when and it maybe doesn't happen enough that when somebody doesn't stand up and are willing to sacrifice in a way themselves to standing up that's when things change which is why I suppose we have a 19th century inheritance of romantic heroes which is not always a good thing but it can be a good thing which is that someone is willing to not care anymore but just to say the thing needs to be said you've been on sets for a lot of years
0: is there something special about stepping onto a Star Wars set versus like anything else
1: well, you're you're meeting a you know the cutting edge of design at the moment, so it's a very very good time to be in television altogether. But obviously, in a domestic set, you're just meeting domesticity. But in this, you're meeting you know you're you're meeting domesticity on steroids because you're meeting future. <laughs> and it means that you know you're meeting the minds of all those designers who have applied themselves to the same aesthetic. So you have in ferrets, you've got a world where everything is metal, lots of screws, lots of bolts, but they've been turned into things, and so the houses have these beautiful windows that have come from the windows from spaceships you know but they're old spaceships well you know think of the brain that has to be able to create a new spaceship to get rid of it to make it into an old spaceship to then turn it into a house the, everything's got layered history and a kind of nostalgia for an earlier spaceship time which just helps puts the huge distance between their life and ours but i i was knocked out every time i onto the set every day I, this might know. upset
0: some fans but i'm gonna ask it what's better star wars sets or harry potter sets
1: I wouldn't dream about doing that. I think <laughs> Harry Potter was marvelous in its time, and now we're in this other time. Sure, sure. Uh, so I'm curious what your your
0: introduction to Star Wars was. Uh, did you go see those original movies when they were when they
1: were out, or did you just not have real interest until later on? I saw the first one, and I saw it in New York, or not in New York, in Chicago, which was a place I visited when I was a student. And I went, and I'd never seen anything. As magnificent, as terrifying, as big, I saw it in an outdoor cinema. And it blew me away and I will never forget it. It's also the first night I had a McDonald's.
0: <laughs> what a night. McDonald's and Star Wars. That sounds amazing. Do you have a favorite Star Wars movie
1: now that we're talking about it? I think probably that one. You know, I think when you when something like that happens, you just you know, get very bonded to it. Yeah, I'm very jealous of people that have experienced the first Star Wars yeah, opening you could night. On
0: DVD later or something. It's fine, but it's not. It's not what you guys experienced. But okay. uh, this one is is just for me. I grew up in the '80s and '90s. One of the movies I just so happened to watch over and over and over again is one you probably don't think much about or don't want to think much about. But Super Mario Brothers the movie is one I've watched a lot over my childhood. I heard the production was kind of crazy. So I'm just wondering what your experience was on that one and if you get asked about it at all. Well, I'm very
1: pleased. I think it's having a rejuvenation, actually, Super Mario Brothers. And yeah. I'm really pleased because, again, that was another world that had beautiful sets, incredibly well done. I remember a lot of bikers who were local bikers. We made it in <laughs> North Carolina. Were you know the, were, were all the us who drove all those extraordinary machines. So it was very exciting thing to make. And there were, I think, some you know messes on it but I think that was all to do with maybe the technology being almost beyond the people making the film so you know very honorable stuff I have to say it was great
0: yeah we've obviously since lost Bob Hoskins and Dennis
1: Hopper what are your memories uh, working with them at the time well, I uh, Dennis Hopper played my husband, and that was something else. Uh, but he's in a very, he was a very interesting guy because he had a wonderful art connection. He was very pro-America, very anti-Europe, and that was very exciting for me because I come from Europe. And then Bob Hoskins was an adorable man, and we did a great reading one night of Macbeth where I cast the cast as Macbeth, and he did <laughs> Macbeth, and I directed it, and we, we had a wonderful, wonderful, I've, I have very fond memories of him and it and the whole making of it. That
0: sounds wonderful. You've had a lot of great roles over your career. Is there anything you still find yourself wanting
1: to do or do again uh, that you haven't in a while? The thing I most enjoy doing is the unknown. I love things that I don't know how to do. So I, all the way along, I always tried to take things that were different to the previous thing. Of course, it was very obvious, but I've really enjoyed doing things. And I now find that I'm in a world where I don't know what's going to come and I don't know how I'm going to do it when it does. So I'm very excited about where you know, where television and film is taking us, that things are going beyond time sometimes, or going beyond reality, or going beyond death. I mean, there are lots of there are lots of new realms that are being experienced. So yeah, I'm all for the new.
0: And also just the quality of television these days between this, between killing Eve, you know, there's a lot of things that you've been a part of that are just amazing quality. Yeah. Speaking of of killing Eve, how is how's that experience been for you? Did you anticipate that shooting off like the rocket it did? I didn't
1: anticipate. It. I don't think anybody did. I think um I knew it was remarkable, but you are not sure the rest of the world is going to take to it. And then I was in America and it took off. And I went back to London and nobody had heard about it. I said, you know, this is a series coming that I think you're going to be excited about going on. <laughs> and then it just took off again. So it was it's fantastic when it takes on often more than one place. You know, they, you then know it's got something else in the essence of it that isn't just connected to London or, you know, it's connected to
0: Yeah, that one really hit the zeitgeist there. I'm thinking this one is too, because it is such an evolution of Star Wars. Like you've seen the other ones. They're excellent movies, very entertaining, but this has such mature writing and themes and performances. Yes. Uh, it's it's just an amazing project to be associated with at this point in time. How do you feel being a part of this as the next
1: evolution of of Star Wars? And exactly what you say, I think that it's um, you know, it's keeping up too with the cutting edge of television because television has now be- been begun to. I don't know, uh, you know, excavate everything to do with human nature. And you can't just have a series that is about things that are good and bad. You do need to understand the gray areas and how they, how we mold ourselves as, as human natures. You know, technology and human nature are meeting in a way, aren't they? And I think this particular series, with the sophistication of Tony's writing and the, as you say, very committed performances by everybody, you're getting a sense of my God, is this, you know, God, is this the the great French period in filmmaking meets, you know, Star Wars? You're getting, and also more of the family can watch it. I think you know, more women will watch it, more men yeah. watch it, adults, you know, as well as the teens and everybody else. So it's a it's a really exciting moment. I'm very pleased for it, yeah.
0: Yeah, like I said, we are over the moon for it. Like we think this is the next step for Star Wars and we can't wait to see everybody, you know, kind of following along hopefully. But is there anything you can tease as far as what's coming up next for you? Do you have anything that uh, is, is coming out after Andor?
1: Yes, I, I've i done um, a wonderful um, Neil Gaiman series and I think you should keep your eye out for that. And it's called The Anansi Boys.
0: Nice. I love Neil Gaiman, so I will be definitely looking out for that. Can you tease what
1: character you play? Yes, I play a character called Maid, but it'll be very obvious who the character is. Okay. All right. (laughs)
0: 10-4. I do want to thank you again. They're giving me the wrap for our listeners. By the time you listen to this, Disney Plus will have a bunch of episodes up, and it'll be coming out every week, every Wednesday, right through November. Fiona is excellent in them, as always. Again, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you.